We're talking about the future of the Pac-12. We're talking about this weekend slate of games, and we're doing it all with Yogi Roth. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Keep liking, commenting, subscribing, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There is a show on Netflix that David Letterman hosts called, called My Next Guest, and often he says that his next guest needs no introduction. I find myself in a similar position as David Letterman for the first time in my life. Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Network, he is everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. Social media, YouTube, podcasts, color commentary. My man, it is great to have you on the show. Yeah. Hey, Spencer, congrats on everything you're doing, man. I love seeing and checking out the not only the work, but the passion behind it. So uh, congrats on that. Happy to come on. Glad we could make it work. Yeah, me too. So uh, let's hop right into it. I was talking yesterday on the show about the meaning beyond just what happened on Saturday night for for Oregon and, and Washington. And I, I think that going forward, George Klyovkov had to have looked at, at that game and said, man, that kind of feels like it should be the game in, in the conference every year, the one that people are looking forward to the most with USC and UCLA on, on their way out in, in a couple of years. That's kind of how I felt. What, what else did you feel beyond what took place on the field on Saturday night between Oregon and Washington at Austin? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it matters like who's in the league, who's out of the league. Like Oregon, Washington is always going to matter. You know, and I think that's the beautiful part about our sport is that while so many things change, like the one thing you can never get rid of is ties and alumni and the pageantry and the vitriol that comes with rivalry games, right? Here we are last two weeks of the season. We're about to see a bunch of these rivalry games, like the traditional ones. But Oregon UW is, is as good as I think you're going to find. Uh, it was so fun for it to have a lot of meaning. And I think that's why like we all really leaned in seemingly more than in years past because you had a team that was knocking on the door in the CFP. You had an incredible resurgence under Kalen DeBoer with you know one of the biggest wins of the year. At least we thought so in September when they put it all over Michigan State at Husky Stadium. And then you're looking at just premier players, right? Bo Nix, Heisman candidate Bo Nix. Like, I don't think that has extinguished Michael Penix Jr. We need to talk about him that way, pending what happens in the last couple of weeks of the season because they still have an outside shot of getting into the championship game. He's the leading passer in the nation. And he's doing it in the most challenging of environments. Like, I don't care about, you know, whether it's in Columbus or in Ann Arbor, like throwing it with the wind coming off of Mont Lake is more challenging than throwing it in the snow. Like, it's just different. And CJ had to deal with that in the wind two weeks ago as well. Like, you have to have real arm talent. Uh, he showcased that. So I think overall, I was excited to watch that competitiveness. Usually I take Sundays off, but like I woke up and put that game on. And I was just like, I have to watch this now because our game was going on simultaneously. 
Yeah, the the resurgence under Washington this year, I think, has been really impressive. You, you know, you figured the offense would be a lot better, but I, I didn't think that anyone really saw Michael Penix leading the nation in in passing and, and the wide receivers he's got, probably the best by far that he's had in his career. But DeBoer in one year, I, I've been really, really impressed with what he's done. I think his game plans are smart. The way that they execute on third down. I think the offensive line is kind of the unsung hero, you know, because Michael Penix, unfortunately, in his career has dealt with a, a number of injuries, right? But he hasn't this year because he hasn't been hit that often. He's not a running quarterback. He knows that. He makes plays from the pocket. He delivers with with a lot of accuracy. But the Huskies' offensive line keeps him upright week after week after week. And it's been, I think, a really impressive thing to see. And speaking of impressive, man, Yogi, how about those Arizona Wildcats? How, how about what they pulled off on Saturday night? I didn't see that coming. I don't think a lot of people did because UCLA has been a good team this year. But it, it, frankly, I watched the game and thought, I didn't think UCLA played that bad. I just thought Arizona kind of rose to the level. The Bruins didn't execute in a few key situations. They were a little sloppy, maybe a little lethargic. I thought they maybe overlooked Arizona a little bit. But, I mean, that is that is a statement win and a half for Jed Fish in Arizona. Yeah, look, it's a program-defining win, you know, to be blunt. Um, I've known Jed for a long time, and to watch him come in with a vision and a plan and then execute it and watch his teams really every week other than two in his now almost two years, they've been in a competitive ball game. I think last year there was eight games that they were within a score in the fourth quarter, right? San Diego State and Colorado, it just got out of hand really fast. But other than that, they're competing in every game. Last year with three quarterbacks, times four quarterbacks rolling through pending Jamari Joyner's status at that position. Now to have that position solidified, and I think the future solidified with Noah Fafita, you're just looking at a program that, is only going to grow and probably grow rapidly because this is a foundation of high school players. And I think we'll see in the offseason not only add high school players defensively, but also key portal guys. Because you're going to want to go to a play. I think as a, as a defensive player, you want to go to a place where you know they're going to score. You don't want to go to Iowa and say, hey, we have to pitch a shutout every week. Like you want to go to a place that you're like, okay, I can go play. They're going to score 35, 40 plus points every week. This is a great place for me to go showcase my skill. And I think that's the attractiveness that they're going to have and, and other teams in this league as well. But to your point about Jed, you know, he's jokingly sometimes called Jed Lasso, you know, because <laughs> of how he just keeps his. I mean, it's funny, but like, yeah, if you watch that series, you understand how challenging it is as a coach. And if you've ever been around sport, how challenging it is to keep a team connected. And he's done that when they haven't won. It's one thing to stay connected after a tough loss like Dan Lanning. He'll have no problem doing that after they lost to Washington. But when you lose X amount in a row and it's been two years since you've won a game, and that's not easy when you're the new guy. And Jed Fish has been exemplary, magnificent in, in that regard. Hey, I believe in belief. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm going to use that nickname until everybody who listens to or watches this, watches this show is just wildly, wildly tired of it because I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I talked about it on Monday's show the smile on his face after they won that game. He was like a kid realizing a lifelong dream. I mean, it was so genuine and, and fulfillment and, and ear to ear grinning. It was, 
you know, coaches get excited, but usually it's like a rah rah. But he was also he also had this element of of pride, you know, just like this is what we've been waiting for to prove to ourselves that we can take that next step. And now I want to stay on Arizona here for for a minute. They are four point home underdogs to Washington State this week, and and the Wildcats suddenly look at their final two games and say Washington State's a good team. They're playing good football, but if you can win that game. You tell me the the battle for the desert would would have bowl eligibility on the line. They would be fired up. They will be regardless, even if they lose to the Cougars. But I I, I just am so surprised at the spot they're in, and they deserve so much credit because Yogi, they're now looking up and saying, "Wait a minute, we could get to a bowl game after we won one game a season ago." That's an incredible jump. Yeah, you know, and that's the vision for the team. You know, Jed's always said just about getting incrementally better. I remember I was there calling his one of the early games in, in his tenure last year, and a reporter said, is it a must-win? I was like, we, we can't talk about Arizona like that. Like, it's all it's about must-improving and little improvements, right, from whether it's making sure everybody has a three-plus whatever GPA or making sure everybody is not late to a tutoring or making sure that – you know, everybody isn't worried about their family and their tickets. Like all the organizational structures of that program had to be laid and the foundation had to be laid, let alone like just just worry about playing. Like don't worry about losing. Transition from hope to knowing, right? Hoping we're going to win, hoping we're going to win to, hey, I know we're going to finish this thing. That, that's what I saw in the UCLA game. You know, at the end of that game, you, you saw defense and said, we're going to get a stop. You know, this is a defense that hasn't had a lot of stops. So I just credit his staff. I think the smile that you referenced to me when I saw it was so happy for the players. You know, just so happy for those guys. Because to go to the wall, like I remember being a player and, and, and just go above and beyond of what's asked of you is seemingly easy from the outside looking in, but it's not when you're not having success. And his team's answered the bell and has followed his lead since he showed up. So I think he was just so pleased with how they were rewarded. And I called their four previous games, man. So, like, I've seen them close against UW, close against SC, blown out against Oregon, you know, blown out against Utah. Like, I've seen the ups and downs of this build. And when I saw that smile you referenced, I think it was Jed saying, wow, I'm so glad they got one, right? And there's a – I don't think they need validity because I think they all know how real it is already, but it helps when you get a win. Yeah, it, it's, it can do wonders. And one game can feel like more than one win. It certainly seems that way for, for Arizona right now and what it could mean for the future. Their immediate future, though, is against a good Washington State team, which I will ask Yogi about after I tell you all about a LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for a small business because, frankly, it is. And you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Go post your job for free with LinkedIn jobs. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So, Yogi, looking at this game with Washington State for Arizona, and I know there are a lot of Arizona fans out there that, that listen to this show, and I'm curious as to what, what your thoughts are on you know, what should be a competitive football game. But two teams that have very different identities. Arizona, 
the defense came up big against UCLA, but overall this season, you look at it and say, yeah, that that's a work in progress, but offensively, gosh, I look at Arizona and say, maybe they need another offensive lineman or two, but Delore is a playmaker. Running backs are solid. Their wide receivers are, are top tier. What do you make of this matchup between Arizona that's kind of led by their offense and Washington State, whose offense has popped the last couple of weeks, but is really a defensively led team? I think they're two teams that are growing right before our eyes. I think this is a great game, right? Let's just address the drama, right? Which is Jaden Delora was the freshman offense right. player of the year at Washington State, and now he's at Arizona. And I'm really curious to see where the votes go in all-conference quarterback, first, second team, respectively. When you get through that and you get to the scheme and the playing, I think you got two you know, teams that are suitably similar, right? Uh, one, they're, they're building. They're rebuilding to a degree, right? whether it's the new wazoo under Jake Dickard or whether it's the it's, it's personal mantra for Jed Fish. I think when I look at Washington State, I see one of the top defenses in the league. Right, you you know what I get to do for a living. Like I get the honor to talk to coaches every week, and a lot talk about the defense of Washington State. So whether it's uh, Henley at Mike Backer, he's a first team All Conference player in my eyes. Oh yeah. Whether it's R.J. Stone and Brennan Jackson, there. If you had to ask people, everybody outside of Seattle, I think in the league would say, "Yeah, give me those two guys on my team." Like they're really disruptive within the style that they play. And I'd say the same thing about that entirety of the defense. Not perfect. Like Arizona's going to move the ball, but they're going to have to protect. And I don't know the status of Jordan Morgan yet. They're starting left tackle. Like Sam Lange uh, came in and played well. Um, but how will they handle two true vets? I mean, these guys are really crafty, man. You've seen them, I'm sure. Uh, they're two of the best at their spots. They really work in sync together. They'll rotate a bunch of guys in their front seven. So, so that will be the challenge. Like, you're going to have to protect. Uh, Jaden looked you know herculean at times right he he did his caleb Ver caleb williams version of you know being houdini in the pocket and evading rushes and he's done it all season uh, but i don't think you can live and die like that that's that's not the way you can go win games so i think for arizona what do they do in this game how quickly is the ball out right how long are the routes developing do they think they could protect early are they getting delora outside the pocket like those are all the things that i'd be looking for if i was calling the game and then the flip side, Cameron Ward, he's had an up and down season, but I really feel like, to your point, he's finding his groove, whether it's mechanics, whether it's scheme, whether it's playing fast, you know, his comfortability. You know, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into that, right? They've lost some guys up front. They finally get the running back back in Nikia Watson. So I, I think this will be a hell of a game. I think that Washington State walking into it is probably a team that's a little bit more seasoned based on what I said defensively. But Arizona's, you know, they're really confident. Like, they're not calling their freshman freshman anymore, in my opinion. You know, they played, what, 10 games or whatever it is. Like, they played, right? Tetro McMillan caught the game winner, you know, or caught, you know, one of the bigger plays of his career in the UCLA game on that play in the, late in the fourth quarter. So I, th I think we'll have a great game, man. I think – I hope it's sold out. I hope it's packed. Um, I love that Washington State's already bowl eligible. It'd be great to see Arizona put themselves in position – to gain bowl eligibility from a league-wide standpoint. But overall, I, I just hope we see another great game that comes down to the end with these two quarterbacks. Because yes, so they'll both come back next year. And I right. think that's the noteworthy thing when you look at the games that are on the slate this weekend. We, we won't have repeat contests of Bo Nix, Cam Rising, Caleb Williams, DTR. Like, you're not going to get those again. 
this one could be something fun to watch in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. Cam Ward has gotten some NFL buzz, and I think he's got a couple of those sorts of traits. But I, I think with the way the offense has been up and down this year, and he's had some turnover issues as well, I would say it's wise for him to to come back for another year, at, at least another year. I'm not sure how much eligibility he's got. He's got at least one more year. I think he could have two. Don't 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 quote me on that, but I, I think that he's he's a guy who, with a little bit more refinement, a little more time to grow at the college level, could grow into that that sort of passer. But you mentioned Caleb Williams DTR, and that's game of the week in the Pac-12 in a slate that has got five games with single-digit point spreads. Last few weeks, Yogi, it's been the opposite. I've gone up and down to doing the Pac-12 prime picks here on the show, and it's just been you know you look at it and you go, that's probably not an upset. Ah, that's probably not an upset. That's probably not an upset, and then Arizona beats UCLA, of course, but you know it's neither here nor there. I think when you look at this weekend, there are so many great games, but the headliner is still clearly USC and UCLA. There's so much on the line. Both teams are good. I, I hope they score a bajillion points. Just put, give me Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley in their bag of offensive tricks and playbooks and everything that, that they can do offensively and how good those guys are on that side of the ball. You told me both teams are in the 40s, Yogi. I'd say sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I think you and, and everybody watching it too. Yeah, I, I don't know how this will shake out, right? We've seen games like this become defensive struggles. Um, I don't necessarily anticipate that. I, I think we have two teams that understand the environment. And I believe like these two staffs do that in championship environments, championship effort and championship performance is required. And I think we're going to get that. Right. Dorian Thompson Robinson is a gamer. Right. We know that. Zach Charbonnet is, I think, the best back in the league. And I'd go as far as saying, I think he's the most productive back in America and the surest thing at that position to go to the next level. The way that he pass pros, the way he catches it, his work ethic, all the intangibles. And then, of course, how he runs the ball. And then you look at the other side and you say, okay, Caleb Williams is, he's real. He's as real as they've come in a long time in this league and in college football. He's a true one percenter, in my opinion. The loss of Travis Dye is huge because I think when SC struggled this year a little bit of finding a rhythm offensively, they found ways to get him involved. He's kind of been that guy, whether it was the Arizona game or other games that you've looked at throughout the season, the Oregon State game, where he would just get going. But they've got depth. And that's the thing offensively that they have that not a lot of teams around the country have is they have true competitive depth. Austin Jones, we know him formerly at Stanford. Relic Brown, he's got a chance to be a breakout star. Right, This game can make you a star. He'll have his opportunities, I think. Jordan Addison is the best receiver in America. Mario Williams isn't that far behind. It sounds like they'll both be back at full strength. And all the guys have played for USC in the last couple of weeks and gained dramatic experience. The thing that I'm probably most excited about, though, is the return of Eric Gentry. Six, six, seven foot, six inch and a quarter wingspan. I don't know if anybody impacts in between the hashes like him in all of college football. And UCLA will put him in a bind. So who wins that? I, I look forward to watching that. Tuli Tui Pelotu would get my vote today for Defensive Player of the Year. Now, there's two weeks left, but today he would get it uh, at USC because he's just done so much from so many different positions on that defense. So I, I think we'll have a hell of a game, man. I think it's going to go back and forth and back and forth. And when it's over, uh, both teams will have left everything that they have on the floor of the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and I just... The only reservation I have, I, I think it'll be UCLA that ultimately gets it done. 
because I still think they're a really good team. I know they lost Arizona, but I think that's more about Arizona than than UCLA. But the one reservation I have about the, the Bruins is as a locker room. Now that you're not going to get to the college football playoff and it's a tougher path and you just lost at home and that was a, a letdown, the likes of which we've seen a couple times with with this core of players led by DTR and, and Chip Kelly, like last year in the Fresno State game. Then they kind of, you know, got their footing after that, but that was early in the year. So I'm curious to see how they respond, how motivated they come out. But I've heard of yeah, out, Yogi. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would agree with that. I think that um, Chip's teams are really like that culture there is really strong. Like I think it, it would probably surprise you and others if if you haven't been around it and seen it. His team is not thinking about like, they know the reality like who nobody's hiding from the cfp and what happened over the weekend but i don't think they'll ever have a problem getting up for this game or any others like th- this is a true player-led team now when i was there in the spring i remember you know watching kickoff drills and talking to coach kelly on the field and he said you know what it's the tightest team we have it's the most mature team that we have you know whether it was the tight end room or the offensive line who had lost guys, right? We're talking about Sean Ryan to the NFL. Their other tackle left early as well. Uh, the left guard, Paul Gratton in the NFL. He just felt like it was a connected group. And I think when you look at the the time that Chip had spent building and retooling and putting his roster together, you've got a group that they're going to show up in a big way in this game. Now, so is SC. That's why I think we'll get their best. But I, I wouldn't. Like if UCLA fans are listening to this, like I, I, I would calm your nerves around letdown game. Like I don't think that. I, I think if they, if this senior class, if you said day one of training camp, you got a chance to play in your home stadium to finish your season off, do something that's never been done before at UCLA. They haven't won a Pac-12 championship, right? Like they haven't since it's expanded. Like they, I think they'd sign up for it like on the spot and say, "Yep." Bring over Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. Whoever loses that game, send them on down for the Rose Bowl, and, and we'll gladly go compete. A little bit of optimism there for uh, the Bruin fans. Love the insight, of course. Right now, UCLA is a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. And if you wanted to bet that game or any other in the Pac-12 this weekend, of which there are many games, go check out our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. One more thought. That, that I want to ask you about, Yogi, on USC-UCLA before we get to the, the big game, Cal and Stanford, of course, which is a, a whole fascinating spectacle in and of itself given where, where those programs are at right now. But if you had to pick one thing that you would see as a pivot point for, for USC as in terms of they've got to do this well in order to beat UCLA, they've got to shut this guy down or you know, keep this stat on their side. What would you say that one thing is for the Trojans? They got to stop the run. You know, that's the identity of UCLA. They're going to run the ball. And they're going to run it with great success. You know, there's a reason that both of these offensive lines are up for the Joe Moore Award is given to the best offensive line unit in the country. Uh, rightfully so. So I think that's that's number one. 
Um, and I think number two would be they have got to run the ball themselves. You know, it's a big part of what both of these coaches do. I think they're both known for their creativity and their tempo or, you know, a lot of scheme. And of course, they're quarterbacks. But what is their foundation is running the ball, I think. You know, the way that Lincoln has adapted the air raid as his foundation to the run game that he's, you know, really leaned into is, is, is incredible. Chip Kelly, you've seen it enough now and, you know, you've heard enough people talk about it, like personnel groupings, how they want to attack something when they feel they have an advantage. I mean, both of these guys are play repeaters in terms of they'll call the same play twice if it's working three times, four times. They'll make you stop it. And I think for, for both of these teams – you know, they've got to run the ball and, and stop the run. And, and that, I think, it won't get any play in the open or any of the highlight packages in advance of the game. But I think when we look at it Saturday night, the team that ran the ball the best is probably the team that wins. Finally, with Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Network, the big game this week between Cal and Stanford is not the biggest game on the Pac-12 slate. I don't think that uh, – lessens the feelings between the Cal fan base and, and the Stanford fan base at, at the moment. What do you make of where those two programs are at right now? I, I think, you know, five, six years ago, if you'd said that this situation would come to pass on the Cal side, it's maybe not as surprising because they've had, you know, some struggles over the last decade or so getting to a, a high level as, as a football program and staying there. But Stanford was, just a perennial conference contender. And now they they've just fallen down so far from where, where they were. What, what is the mood that, that you see covering all these teams around Stanford and Cal going into this game? Well, I think a couple of things, one really excited for this game and everything it represents, right? The 125th big game, the 40th yeah. anniversary of the play. There's a lot to celebrate, right? And you've got two fan bases that, are disappointed but not nearly as disappointed as the players or the staffs and i think that's that's noteworthy i think both of these programs were you know either to your point having sustained success with david shaw and stanford or tracking like you look pre-covid 19 cal's rolling with justin wilcox as his head coach 2020 really impacted these two programs in a powerful way from not just recruiting but I think the development within their own players, right? If you look at last year, you know, Cal was still meeting outside. Stanford was still meeting on Zoom, right? They never got a full off season. So I think we're seeing kind of like a reset for those two teams. I also think that when you look at Stanford specifically, um, you know, it's a, it's a, they're in a different world than the majority of college football, right? USC is 33 new players. Stanford has one in terms of transfers that can come in. Patrick Fields is a graduate transfer. He applied to the school prior to saying he wanted to play football, right? He was going to grad school there. So I, I think there's some of that that is a reality right now. Um, I think that if anybody's out there thinking that Justin Wilcox um, isn't the right guy at Cal, I think you're, you're sorely mistaken, right? He just signed a long-term extension. He's going to be there for a long time. Uh, he's had chances to go elsewhere. He couldn't be more excited to take a real run at it. And I think they will. You know, I'm excited to see the hire they make offensively. I think it's a really attractive position in, in college football. I know a lot of people that are trying to already get that now. So we'll see how that thing shakes up with the changes they have on their offensive staff. And then I think for Stanford, um, I see a lot of shade obviously thrown at David Shaw. And I think coaches, and he would say this too, have to wear their record. But he, David Shaw is a premier coach. 
not just a premier college coach. Like there's 20 jobs in the NFL and 20 owners that would love to have David Shaw, in my opinion, become the head coach of their franchise. And I'd say the same thing in college. I think for Stanford, what's going to be compelling to track after this game and after the season is like what adjustments are made around the current state of college football. And I believe in that culture and that program that, that they'll make them. So I'm, I last year I wasn't, uh, I couldn't believe that Stanford was like a four win team. It's hard for me to believe that either one of these teams that we're talking about this weekend are only a four win team at the end of the season. Like it's hard for me to say that because I've seen their cultures, I've seen their players. It's just a matter, I think, of aligning, making a couple little tweaks. Maybe it's some staff changes. Obviously, it will be a Cal, um, but I, I, I still believe in the programs. And I think for the fans that are listening, I'd urge you, for whatever it's worth, to keep believing in these head coaches and the vision that they have. Because it's not like they haven't proven that they're successful. And and that's what I look forward to, kind of the redemption process for both of them. Neither one is going to ask for that or ever would want any of that credit. But I think from a fan standpoint, you're always asking, like, are there going to be changes? Should there be changes? I think both of these staffs and both these head coaches are fully aware of all the things that their programs are dealing with managing and, and having to address once the season ends. And I think it's fair to, to ask those sorts of questions, but one that you want to ask if you're a Stanford fan, if you're, if you're questioning David Shaw is if you were to move on from him as your head coach, how quickly would he get hired in college football, Yogi? What would it take a, a month, maybe two? Like I I'm with you that he would be a guy who would get taken off the market very quickly. And I think that's telling to, as to what sort of coach he is and what sort of coach he can be. And I think you raised a great point about how they were still, still not back to, you know, normal life a year ago. And when other people are, when other teams and programs are, that's, that, that's, it's tough to compete with, right? It's, it's just difficult to, to maintain that level when you have any small disadvantage, however big or, or, or small it is, but Yogi, my man, I cannot, Thank you enough for coming on the show. Everybody show Yogi some love because he took the time. He's got to go get his kids to bed because that is always priority number one, of course. But he squeezed this in and we very much appreciate it. Yogi, it's great to meet you and great to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, too, Spencer. Good luck with everything, man. Stay connected and uh, enjoy the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, will indeed. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.